hey, welcome back to Dad Conversations. Today I spoke to Sam Alvey. We discussed his career in mixed martial arts, starting with how he got into it. He contrasted the pain of getting punched in the face in a cage fight with an inadvertent groin shot from your kids who jump on you. He discussed the keys to his early success and how he pivoted and refined his training to develop his game. He walked us through typical fight prep from signing the bout agreement to training camp to fight week, weigh-ins, and his pre-fight tradition. We then talked about highs and lows of his career, his musical talents, and his approach to being a dad of five kids. His nickname is Smiling Sam. He is a good guy. If you aren't into MMA, I think you'll still appreciate this spotlight on a good dad who happens to be a cage fighter. Now, if you enjoy this episode, please go ahead and subscribe to the show. And if you're feeling really generous, you can leave a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice. The next episodes will include a consultant, a tech salesman, a hospital administrator, and then a marketing and media guru. I'll talk with each of them about their different areas of expertise, their life stories and philosophies, and of course, their approach to being dads. All right, time to hear from Sam. Enjoy. for being here today it is my pleasure sir thank you for having me on so you're a well-known fan favorite ufc fighter i remember when i started watching the sport you stood out to me right away uh just always smiling but uh definitely really friendly guy um you're also a musician you're a husband and you're a father of five children that is an incredible bio my friend yeah you know i i've been blessed yeah i kind of just keep, keep falling into different things i, I started off as a a musician in, in high school and college and during college I found fighting before all of that I found my wife or my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife and then uh we've just been collecting kids ever since <laughs> that's right um uh, so you you said in college you you found fighting can you tell me a little about your journey getting into MMA yeah so, so when I was growing up, I never watched fighting. I didn't watch boxing. I wasn't in Taekwondo. I mean, I didn't know anything. Uh, honest to goodness, I assumed Jackie Chan movies were how fighting really is. Um, and I, I just didn't know any different. Um, and, and it's been been quite the, you know, when I first started, I said, well, this isn't at all what I thought it was. Um, but I had a blast doing it. I always thought I was a tough kid, and I, I just had a good time doing it um eventually somebody said hey there's a cage you can fight in i said okay let's do it so i i jumped in the cage and i almost won and then i got beat up and so well that was that was different Let, let's do it again and then i, I just kind of got addicted to it I, I after that first loss i went on 11 fight tear where i was knocking everyone out and i went to russia and fought i had one tournament it was three fights in one night and um i still wasn't training anything because i didn't i i truly didn't know there was training to be done for MMA. Um, I, I won three fights on a night with King of the Cage, and they when I won that, I got a contract with the King of the Cage. They actually never gave me the contract, but I just kept fighting for them whenever they wanted me. <laughs> yeah, and it was, awesome. it, it was probably the best case scenario. I never had to sign with them, and uh, I got to fight for them whenever I wanted. Um, it, it, it was a good time. Um, and it was then I said, okay, I should start training. 
So I just started training myself. I mean, I, it was me and a buddy of mine. We went out to the football field and we'd run laps and sprints and we'd do push-ups and bear crawls. And uh, we just worked out like that. We went out. I, I had my uh, professional debut and I won and said, well, this is awesome. Let's let's do more. So then I found a gym. I, I was doing weapons, weapon training, Kobito. Um, uh, and so I talked to him. He said, hey, can I use your mat, you know, twice a week to try and get people in and um, – start an MMA thing and he said sure let's do it and so we started Mets's combat club and um, we, we just had we had a blast doing it I was probably seven and one as a professional before I learned that there was a UFC um, and I was just having a good time you know fighting I, I was never intent I never had it as the intention of becoming a of it becoming my career um, but uh, I, I sure jumped at it once I learned uh, it could be a career. That is incredible. And I had no idea that you got so far along without like technical training. When did you start getting, uh, you know, real help on wrestling and jujitsu and striking and, and focusing on polishing your craft? Uh, it probably would have been four or five years after I turned pro. Um, that, that's when I moved out to, uh, California and started working with team quest. Um, there were, I, I guess I, I, turns out I had some natural gifts, meaning I could get punched really hard and not fall over. And I, apparently I can punch hard. I, here's a, I didn't know I was a Southpaw until I had about a dozen fights. Uh, and somebody asked me, why do you stand that way? So what do you mean? Why do I stand that way? I said, well, you stand with your right foot forward. You're right-handed. It should be your left foot. So I don't know. This is just what I do. I said, oh, well, you're a southpaw when you stand that way. Um, so, yeah, I had, a, I had a dozen fights before I learned I was I was fighting the, the wrong way. Um, wow. But, yeah, it was, it was probably four or five years before I moved out to California and started getting trained by somebody else. For those who have never been in a fight as an adult, is there any way to like explain what it feels like to get beat up and, and hit in the face? I mean, I sit here as a as a dad with little kids who love to wrestle and they, you know, jump on the, my nuts or, you know, hit me in the nose when I'm not expecting it inadvertently. And, you know, a five-year-old hit me in the nose. I'm like, oh, man, that, you know, stops me in my tracks. I can't imagine a grown man just clocking me right in the face like is there any way to explain that to someone who hasn't felt it uh it hurts worse with with, with kids hurting you because you're not expecting it when, when you're training or you're, you're in the fight uh you don't really feel anything till tomorrow tomorrow everything hurts i mean i've had fights where i go out and i knock the guy out in 10 seconds and uh the next day i am just sore head to toe just from the adrenaline dump um wow. But so during the actual getting punched in the face or getting kicked in the leg or any of that, it doesn't really hurt as it's happening. But the next day you feel every little bruise. You'll, you'll be sore in spots. You say, like, man, I don't even remember him hitting me there. Uh, and it's, it's kind of funny putting together, you know, especially once you have kids after a fight, I'll get home and the kids jump on everything. And, uh, you, they will find the spots that are hurt on you more than well. <laughs> I bet I, I can completely relate to that. Um, I'm curious now, uh, as a longtime professional, you've you've um, arrived in the UFC, um, had an incredible career. Can you walk us through what it's like 
um, with a sort of the fight cycle going from, um, you know, negotiating a, a bout agreement to training camp and what it's like going through fight week and doing a million interviews and weighing in and, you know, whatever your pre-fight routine is, uh, and then what it's like to to actually be in there and fight, and then what maybe what you do the first week or so after a fight. I'd love to kind of hear what your uh, typical cycle looks like. Yeah. Um, well, well, it all usually starts with us asking the UFC for a fight. Uh, they've asked me to fight multiple times, but most of the time it's, I said, all right, I'm ready to get back into camp. Uh, and my wife is my manager. I said, Brett, would you reach out to him? Tell him, hey, I, I'd like to fight whoever you got. I'm willing to do it. Um, and we reach out and they always say, well, we don't have anyone right now. And then they usually call me back like 12 hours later. Say, hey, we got somebody. You want to you want to fight next week? It's like, oh, damn it. Okay, let's do it. Uh, usually I have more than a week's notice, but I, I've had a few where it's been a week. Um, and they'll say, okay, we'll fight. They The UFC then responds. They said, all right, would you be willing to fight this guy in uh, Poland in, you know, six weeks from now? And we say, absolutely. It's always been a motto of my career. Is if it's offered, I say yes. I, I don't think I've ever said no to a fight. Um, which is one of the reasons I have so many fights. It's one of the reasons I have so many losses too. Maybe, maybe I should have said no to one or two of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So they said, okay, perfect. So then I, I tell all my coaches, Hey coaches, this is who is offered. Uh, we've already said yes, but what do you guys think about it? Uh, and the, Dan Henderson and Gustavo and uh, Joe Stevenson, Tom Glicker, they all look at it. Oh, it's a great fight for you. We love it. It's said, awesome. So then the coaches are on board. The UFC knows we're going to fight. My wife is on board. My kids are ready for the, the long haul. And uh, then I get all my uh, coaches and a lot of my training partners together. And I we watch every video we can on the guy. We watch all of his most recent fights. We watch his wins, his losses. His, his we, we watch everything we can on him. I, and my wife or I, we always make a lunch for all the guys. It's always, it's now a, a tradition. Every every time I get a fight, my, my coaches get a really good lunch. Um, so we watch the video and we kind of go over what we're thinking and what, what we want to see me working on. And um, from that point, we kind of, we, we go from there. Um, we'll, we'll adjust accordingly. Well, this guy gets tired in the third, so I want to make sure I can... Uh, go a solid four rounds at full pace because if he slows down, I won't slow down. Or, well, this guy's a wrestler, so I have to make sure my conditioning, you know, defense is better than my offense. So we'll kind of look at it that way. And then the camp begins. Um, and then I, I really start watching what I'm eating because I always have to lose weight. And I, uh, I start, uh, I, when it's time to lose weight, I stop lifting weights because I, I get big when I lift. Um, so I'll stop lifting weights. I'll start eating a lot, lot, lot more intelligently. Intelligently, I, I never eat poorly, but uh, until after the fight. But uh, before the, I never eat that poorly. But when it comes time to losing weight, I have to eat real intelligent, intelligently. I have to know what I'm eating, when I'm eating it. You know, the protein, the carbs, the fats, this and that, to keep myself healthy and to keep my, uh, keep my uh, metabolism going. So I'm, so I'm burning weight. Um, and every week we get a little closer, uh, come fight week. Then, uh, my weight is usually, we'll say I fought more times at 185. So when I'm fighting 185, the Tuesday before I weigh in on Friday, I like to weigh between 200 and 205 pounds it means it's only a 15 to 20 pound weight cut. 
the the weight cut then is all week long it's the weight I'm preparing my body to cut weight. So I'm losing the sodium. I'm keeping my glucose down. Uh, I'm not taking any more carbs. I'm naturally losing weight pretty quickly until my final cut, which happens the day of the weigh-in, which is usually Friday morning, the day of that cut, uh, I usually have less than 10 pounds. It's six pounds is good. Uh, three pounds is great, but it's usually around six pounds. Um, so I cut my six pounds. I go, you know, step on the scales. Oh, I made weight. And then I start refueling myself. That's when I know everything I lost that week. I know all the sodium I lost. I know how much uh, uh, glucose, glucose meat I, I need to put back in. I know which order to put them back in. Um, I, I, I get all the nutrients that I, I've depleted out of my body back in as soon as I'm off that scale. Um, I usually take an hour or two to just eat some rice cakes just to kind of let my belly get some more food in it. Um, and then that night, and then this is, this is the biggest part of my whole fight camp that night, whatever city I'm fighting in, I go and I find the best pizza place in the, in the, in the country, in the city. And <laughs> that's what we do way in night after I've made weight, after I've, I've rehydrated, after I've made myself as healthy as I can get, we go and find the best pizza. And I have had pizza in, I shoot every country I've ever fought in. And I fought in, I fought in a lot of countries. Um, my, my, the best pizza I've had so far was in Poland, actually. And which surprised me. I didn't think it would have been Poland, but it was, it was really good in Poland. Uh, then the next day I wake up in the morning. I usually like, I'll, I'll eat eggs and meat. I don't like eating meat. I don't know why, but the day of the fight, I don't like a lot of meats some eggs i might have uh, a little sweet like a pancake maybe uh depending on how my belly's feeling um and, and i'll keep hydrating uh, at lunch i'll eat something uh, i'll get some bread in me and then i usually don't eat again until after the fight i go out there i win my fight i come back to the hotel room and uh, i usually have leftover pizza from the night before um then i get home you know after weigh-ins after the fight after my victory pizza now i get on a plane i go home and then i eat like i eat like shit for a week uh, and it's i always <laughs> yeah. say i have one week i'm gonna eat as many calories and as many disgusting fatty foods as i can get in my body to the point where at the end of the week i don't want it anymore um, and that's pretty much been my my fight camp you know recipe for the last 15 years um, and I, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I, I really look forward to that pizza after Wayne's. I really look forward to my first bowl of cereal after the fight, after the fight is over. Um, and, uh, I, I look forward to the, to the next time I get to do all of it again. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So relatable too. I feel like I would, I would totally be dreaming of pizza if I was going through all that torture of cutting so much weight, you know, yeah. there's something I, I forgot the week of the fight. I always watch the Food Network. I mean, it's on my 24-7. And I, I'll take notes. Okay, I'm going to write this. My phone has got two or three pages of on the notes thing of just recipes that I'm going to make after I'm done, done <laughs> uh, for, from every fight from uh, around the world. Wow. And one question I have is your approach to fight camps. A lot of people like to relocate to another area where it's like, kind of locked down just them and their coaches and uh, a lot of training and, and rest. Um, some people do it from home. You've got five kids. What's your approach to fight camps? And if you do go sort of remote from the family, like how do you go about doing family time? 
I, I don't go remote from the family. They, they are with me. I mean, I, I'm one of the few fighters that when I fight, I bring five kids with me. My wife is my manager. She's my chief corner as well. I am a family man uh, that they are with uh, this COVID's killing me because I've had two fights now. And, uh, my, my kids were not allowed to go because the, the UFC had, you know, has their new lockdown rules. Um, yeah. but in, I've got 70 fights. My kids have been to, you know, 65 of them. Uh, my, my kids have been to Australia. They've been to Poland. They've been to Brazil. They've been to all over the, they've been everywhere with me. And because they're with me always, I don't know how I would train without them. Um, I wake up, I get my kids uh, breakfast, I get them out to school, I drive them to school, I then go do my workouts, I come back, I pick them up, I make them lunch. Um, it's just part of my life now. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine a camp without all of that going on. I think I'd get bored without all of that going on. Wow. It, MMA is so interesting to me because the high points and also the low points of your career are so public and and personal and but unlike other individual sports they're often accompanied with like serious injuries you know not only did you lose it's like oh you got hurt <laughs> um would you mind walking us through a high point and a low point um that stands out to you and try to describe what those feelings might be like for the average person who's never been there yeah it's so I, I, most people on this planet have won a game at some point, uh, whether athletically or uh, mentally. They, they've played a game, they've won a game, and there's usually a, a sense of, yay, I did it. For me, it's I get the yay, I did it, but then it's also I just made money that I can live on now. Uh, and it's and when I win, it is, it is my fault I win. If I lose, it's my fault I lose. Um, so, so it's really when I get that win, when I get that knockout, I get that bonus, when I, when I get what I get, um, it, it is such a, an overwhelming sigh of relief that I just did it, that, oh my goodness, I, I, all my hard work is paid off. I get to, I get to have a uh, continue living. I get to continue doing what I do and doing it with who I love. Um, and it, it is, it is a source of happiness that just, I, I haven't. It's so hard to replicate anywhere else in my life because there's so much riding on every fight with me. Um, and at the end of the day, there is a winner or a loser. Uh, usually I'm the winner. Lately, I've been the loser. Uh, and that's the, the losing hurts. Um, the losing is, I mean, it's, I always give myself, I, I call it the 24-hour rule. If I lose a fight, I have 24 hours to feel like a, the saddest, most pathetic uh, person that, that's ever been. I, I just... I, I'm alive. So I can go to the shower and cry. I can do whatever I need. But at the end of 24 hours, I got to suck it up and learn how not to lose again. Um, my, my last fight, I got a draw. I, I don't have a rule for having a draw. I don't, I don't know what to do right now. Uh, I, I, I kind of, it's like I didn't lose, but I won the fight. At least everyone except two of the judges thought I did. Uh, <laughs> So I, I don't have a routine with the draw, but uh, the, the losing, I've got 24 hours where I, I allow myself to, to feel like garbage. Um, and then I, I, I just always have to pick myself up. I still have to take care of my family. I still have to uh, go back to work. I still have to, to do everything I do. Um, but it, it, even though the threat of having that terrible feeling on, on my shoulders is always there, the, the joy I'll get out of winning my fight, out of out of proving that I'm better than that man on that day, 
it, it makes it all worth it. Now you've got the nickname smiling Sam Alvey. You're always smiling. You're kind of the, the classic good guy. Uh, you've also got something called the make me smile challenge. Can you tell me a little about that? Yeah. So, so I've got five kids, four of them are biological. Uh, one of them is a foster baby who were, she should be legally in Alvey within a month. Uh, it's been a long process of, of getting her of adopting her but we're, we're within the final month of her becoming an, uh, a legal alvey um yo I, i'm so thrilled uh she's just a beautiful little girl and i, I i'm the only home she's ever known and she, she's she's my daughter um but anyway the, the make me smile challenge what it is is i i'm the foster system has been hit very very hard uh, it's always in a bad spot because it's the foster system. You're usually it's dealing with with children that are in bad situations, but since since that has begun, or, or since uh, COVID has begun, it it has gotten far worse, far more difficult to to get these kids where they need to be, you know, where they need to be. Um, and the Make Me Smile Challenge is we're we're trying to raise as much awareness and raise some money and funds for the foster system for foster children um and what we're what we're trying to do is get uh people to make us smile make us laugh and we've got about two thousand dollars in amazon gift cards that we're giving out to the to the people that are that make us smile and laugh the most um and you just post whatever you're going to post on instagram or twitter or, uh, even tiktok now with the hashtag make me smile challenge and at the end of the at the end of this uh this rally we're going to be picking the winner and handing out the uh the victors that is awesome i love uh any kind of efforts to support and help foster kids i mean they they have so much potential and opportunity ahead of them but they don't have that foundation that's so critical you know it's like everyone talks about how uh, everyone's successful. It's like, yeah, the people around you really helped and shaped and influenced your life. And the foster kids most of the time don't have that and really need all the love and help and infrastructure they can get. Yeah. Many of these kids, by the time they're in the foster system, that they've been damaged one way or another. They've either seen people getting damaged in their family or they personally have been damaged. They're, they're kids that have they have the potential to have some real issues and to find foster families that are, that are willing to, to step up and, you know, take the screaming nights and, but to be a family for these kids is, is something special. Um, and, and, it, and it's scary. Uh, like, like my, my little girl, I had her from close to the beginning, um, of, of her life and she, she's only ever known me, which has been nice. But at the end of the day, she has never, she wasn't legally my child. So as I'm, you know, raising her, as I'm, you know, defending her, as, I, as I'm being a dad to her, there's always the chance that some judge is going to come in and say, you know what, this second grandmother has stepped up and uh, wants, you know, wants her back. And that's always a possibility. And the foster, us foster parents are aware of the possibility and as much as it would crush us to, to have someone taken like that, for that for the time they are with us, it is, it, we are just completely necessary to make them feel uh, the love and, and respect that they, they deserve, but hadn't gotten prior to, prior to us. Man, I commend you as much as I possibly can really respect what you're doing. I mean, I think all, all foster parents um, deserve 
you know, love and, and appreciation and support and um, everything they need to help, you know, change the li- these lives for better. Yeah, no, I, well, I appreciate your support. And that, that's, that's what the make me smile challenge is for. We're just trying to try, trying to raise, raise the awareness that these kids are out there and that they're not thought about very often. Um, and they, they, I mean, they don't necessarily, you don't think about many kids outside of your own all that often. Like, uh, they, these are kids that, that they just, they, they need a little extra help. And we're, we're trying to at least open the door a little bit, open the window a little bit for people to be able to see it. Man, good. Another topic that I want to ask you about, um, as a professional athlete, you've had, you've had several sponsors over the years. Uh, is there any companies that stand out, you know, as you look back, um, for being like really good to you as an athlete, anybody that was particularly, you know, human in the way that they not only sponsored you, but you could tell they genuinely cared. Uh, you know, most sponsors, uh, I, I really do get the feeling like they genu- genuinely care. Um, and it's, it, most sponsors are mom and pop kind of organizations trying to, to support the local fighter. Um, every, I mean, every now and then you get the high booster or the venom or something like that, that'll step up and really, you know, help you. But most of the time it's, it's a, it's a small business down the street. That's, you know, they, they want some notoriety, but more so they want you to succeed. And that extra $300 at the end of the day might be that might be the $300 that's really needed. So I, I don't know that any stands out more than any other for me, but they've all been appreciated. That's cool, man. That's that's really good to hear, actually. Um, now, you are, I want to say, in your 30s. I think we're around the same age. Um as so you've you've still got several years left if you want to but at the same time you're not a spring chicken when it comes to professional athletics so um you've got a lot of years left ahead of you uh, from a career standpoint what are what are the next steps when you decide to retire from MMA uh well I'm hoping to do MMA for another decade oh we'll see if my body holds up we'll see if the the paychecks keep coming but that that, that is my plan um but like when I, I started fighting, I was in college. Uh, I, I received my bachelor's degree from Lakeland College in business management. My, my goal was I was always going to own my own gym, uh, not a martial arts gym, but like a lifting gym. And that goal still has not changed. I, I love lifting. It has always been a passion of mine. I, I've always enjoyed doing it. Um, and so that, that's still my goal today. Uh, and I'll probably start the gym before I'm done fighting use some of my uh, popularity in MMA to, to help uh, drive people, you know, to my doors. Um, For sure. I, I mean, as much as I want the lifting gym, I, I would be stupid not to have my own jujitsu, my own MMA part of it. Um, it's just, I, I'm, it turns out I'm pretty good at it at this point. Uh, it's, <laughs> I love coaching. So it, it only makes sense for me to have my lifting gym and have my uh, MMA studio as part of it. Definitely. Yeah. I would, I mean, if I live, you know, you got a lot of people who might, I think the average person's willing to go maybe 20 minutes out of their way to, to a gym. But if it's, uh, if there's also is a celebrity who owns and runs the gym, you got people probably from willing to drive over an hour to go visit, you know, I think that'd be a big draw. Yeah. And I've got a proven, you know, a proven product. Uh, the way I train has gotten me, I'm, I'm, Someone just sent me a fact. I think 2% of the entire UFC population has ever had 20 fights in the UFC. 
I just had my 20th and my next one's going to be my 21st. Um, I, I've, I, I've got a product that has been proven to work. Uh, my, my head coach is Dan Henderson, who is another one of those guys that's had over 20 fights in the UFC. Um, we, we, we've got, a, I've been trained in a way that, that will get you there and it will help you, uh, be, you know, make a career out of this. That's awesome. Good, man. Good for you. I love to uh, see that coming in the next couple of years. Now you mentioned that you're, uh, I know you're a musician. Can you tell me about your journey into music and, and which instruments you prefer? Yeah. Well, I don't play that many instruments. I played the trumpet and I, I'm currently playing the ukulele. Um, and, and like most kids, fit, uh, what was it? Fifth grade comes around and they give, you know, they put a bunch of instruments and they say, pick one. And so I picked up the trumpet and, um, I, I just, I love doing it. I, I was never a particularly athletic kid. I played baseball and I, I, um, that, that was about the only ath- athleticness I, I did. I was never any good at that. Um, but I was good at my trumpet. I, I really enjoyed playing it. So I played it throughout. Uh, I, I was the band board president. I was first chair trumpet for my life for three years in high school. Um, after, uh, yeah, after I did the marching band and the big band and the orchestral band. And, uh, I, I just did everything band. I just, I went into it and that, that became what I do. That is what I'm going to be known for is uh, playing my instrument. Uh, went to college, uh, and I, I went, my first two years, I went to a, um, I, I got a two-year college, and uh, part of the two-year college, they had an orchestral band that was outside of the college, but you, if you were in the college, you could be part of it and get credit for it, but it was, I, I always said I, I played semi-professionally. I never made any money, but the orchestra did, uh, and I helped them make money, so I was semi-professional. And I played with them for another two or three years um, and just had a blast doing it. Uh, but when I transferred schools to Lakeland to finish my degree, uh, they didn't have a band I, w- I was able to be part of anymore. And nobody was willing to pay me to hear me play my trumpet. So I started fighting. And um, I just I didn't have enough time to practice my trumpet and practice martial arts like, like I needed to, um, to to keep doing it. So yeah. I... I ended up pretty much setting the trumpet down. I, I've got it hanging on my wall, and every now and then I'll pick it up and toot on it. But where I used to be able to play for hours, I now can play for minutes. Uh, so I'm not <laughs> half as good as I was, but I, I still like getting getting my lifts on it. Um, and now my, my I said I have five kids. My oldest is seven. I said seven, six, four. Then I have two one-year-olds. Um, and when my seven-year-old turned five, we picked up. I went got a ukulele with her and we, we've been taking lessons together ever since uh my six-year-old he uh we're doing the same thing but with a piano for him uh so i'm learning the piano now it's it's far more difficult than the ukulele but i'm learning it um my next my four-year-old we're getting him a stand-up bass he, he's gonna and i'll, I'll learn wow. that um then my two one-year-olds we've still got a few years before they do any of that but one of them is going to be fiddle one of them is going to be the drums so uh um, <laughs> So I, I'll be able to play, hopefully not as well as they do, but I'll be able to play them all a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah, my wife has been really good about getting the, our kids into piano. Um, I don't know anything about piano, but I, I did play um, tuba and sousaphone in marching band. But I, um, I, I kind of envy you having a trumpet on the wall, you know, just being able to play a little bit when you want to because – sousaphone it's like nobody owns their own sousaphone so i haven't played once i was in college 
Yeah. Oh man, that yeah, you couldn't hang that on the wall. It'd be hard to find a closet <laughs> to put one of those in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So I in the remaining time we have, I'd love to, you know, briefly hear like where did you grow up? What type of kid were you and and what were some of your interests? Yeah, so I I was a Wisconsin boy. I live in California now and have for the past 10 years and I re- I really don't like California. <laughs> I I love the people I'm with and I love what I've created here and I cannot wait to get out of California. Um but I grew up in Wisconsin. Everything was green and the, there's water everywhere and there were the seasons and everything was, I loved Wisconsin. Um, and I grew up, I hunted and I fished. I, I grew up on Lake Tishigan. Um, so I could just go out my back door and go fishing if I wanted to. Um, grew up hunting, uh, fished a lot, loved shooting guns. Uh, I, I, was, I was a country boy. The city I grew up in had 3,500 people in it. So it's just a little city, Waterford, Wisconsin. Um, and me and my buddies, we just, we did everything together. We, we were, we, we were the, the doors were never locked. We just call, Hey, you want to go do this? And then there'd be 12 of us and we'd go and do that for the next, you know, six hours. Uh, I mean, we, we did the, the kick the can at night and we all liked the same cartoons, the Dragon Ball Z and the Ninja Turtles and the Jackie Chan. That's, I've always loved fighting. I just always thought fighting was that. I didn't realize yeah. it, uh, it, 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 how much work actually goes into it. Um, so I, I, I've just had a, a, a childhood filled with love and laughter and, and you know, being rough and tumble. Um, and and I, I really think that the rough and tumbleness is, is helped me more than, you know, taekwondo ever could have or wrestling ever could have in MMA. It just, I, I knew, I always knew that no matter how, how hurt I got, I would always heal. That's what I, that's what I grew up knowing. <laughs> that's good. Hey, what is something that you've changed your mind on in the last five years? Uh, I think all, uh, shoot, we, we go politically. I've always been, I've always been a big, uh, we're going to have a big stick and we need a big military presence everywhere. Last four years, Donald Donald Trump kind of took a different approach and now he's got peace in the Middle East. So I've definitely changed my mind on that. Um, but on a more playful yeah. thing of what I've changed my mind on, um, I know as a young pro, I think you should pad your record, uh, fight, fight chumps, fight guys that are, have one win and 30 losses, fight those guys and, and just pad your record big time. When I was a younger pro, I, even now I, if a fight's offered, I take it. Um, but when I was younger, when I was O and O, if it was offered, I said, yes, if they were better than me, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to beat him. If I'm worse, you know, if I, if I'm better than them, I'm going to say yes and beat him also. I've just always had that thought, but after seeing how important that undefeated record is and, uh, how important the wins are or the number of wins, not so much the quality of wins are that that's something as far as MMA goes that I've definitely changed my mind on. Hmm. Kind of following the boxing style a little bit there. Yeah. And I always thought, I always, younger pro Sam always made fun of those guys. But an older pro Sam says, yeah, all I tell all everyone, I, <laughs> we are going to get you chump fights. I want you fighting just, just chodes. I mean, guys that don't take it serious. Uh, we'll, we'll pad those records. And then uh, when it's, when it's time to take a hard fight, we'll get paid to take a hard fight. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way in my 
the older I get, I'm a lot more pragmatic and the less uh, ideological about things. Yeah. Um, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Um. Well, I don't drink. I've, I've I have drank, and I'm sure I will drink again. Um, but I really don't drink. I don't remember the last time I've had a drink of anything. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I've never done drugs and not even, not even the, the legal ones. Um, and I think I'm a very healthy 34 year old, uh, in the world of fighting. Like I don't have any lingering injuries. I don't have any, uh, uh, memory loss. I don't have, I I'm really, I've been blessed with how, how healthy I am. You know, and nothing's falling off me. I've got my, I mean, everything as a fighter, everything you'll aches a little bit, but there's no real injuries. There's a difference between being hurt and being injured. And I'm not. Right. And, uh, but I, I really think it's it, part of that is I don't drink. I don't have any bad habits that, that I, um, that, that, that I have to fight with. Uh, I just, I, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. And, and I think that is really helping with the longevity I've had in, in the sport. Awesome. So bringing it back around to family a little bit, um, you, you've got five kids. Uh, what's your response when people say, what in the world is it like to have five children, especially so young? <laughs> yeah, I do get that question a lot. I say, well, how do you do it? It's, I've just always done it. Uh, I, I've always been a kid kind of guy. I've always coached kids and, and you know, I, I've, I've always enjoyed the company of, of the, the, their little personalities. They're always just so the mine and other kids, they're always just honest and fun. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. Uh, I, I do get sick of the, especially with two one-year-olds. If one's not crying, the other one's crying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so that part I I'm ready to not, I'm ready for them not to be one anymore. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. I, but for, for most of it is, it's just what I've always enjoyed being around. I, I've always, um, I, I've always loved coaching. And we, I mean, you said you have two kids, sir. I have six actually. Oh, you have six. Wow. You've got me beat so six kids. Yeah. So you're just, you're, you're just around them. You, you learn to, to, to love every little, uh, thing that, that used to bother you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I better get learn to enjoy it because it's probably not going to change. <laughs> yeah. uh, how old are your kids? Uh, mine are between eleven and uh, six months. Oh wow! Well, congratulations on the six months. Oh, thank you. Yeah, oh, well, that, that's wonderful. What's something that you're better at now as a father than three to five years ago? Uh, well, the ukulele. <laughs> So definitely better than that. No, as far as being fatherly, um, oh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I uh, like we were just saying, you have to learn to enjoy the parts that you didn't used to enjoy, uh, and it really is the case that the little, the little irritating things where they ask the same daggone question every day, uh, and it's if he doesn't ask it, the other one will ask it, the other one. Will ask it. And now it's, I kind of look forward to them asking it. At this point I've had, so my, my oldest is seven and she went through where she asked things every day, the same question every day. And every time she asked the same thing and it, it irritates you, but now she doesn't ask it anymore. And I say, Oh, I wish you'd ask it. 
I wish you'd, I wish, oh, I wish, I wish I didn't, didn't, you know, dislike that she asked, asked, asked it so much. Uh, and so five years later in parenting, I've learned that if it's bothering me now, I still need to enjoy it because I know it, I know it won't be there always. A, a big one with me right now is we, for bed, I go up, I tuck them in, I say a prayer. Um, and now it's when I say, all right, kids, go brush your teeth, go to bed. And said, all right, they go brush your teeth. And every day on night, they all ask, Daddy, will you come up and pray with us? I said, no, I, just, I was going to do it. Just don't ask. I don't know why you're asking. But I, I know someday they're <laughs> not going to ask. And I, I, it's going to be a sad day when they don't ask me anymore. And so I, now as a father, I really do appreciate all the little things like that a lot more than I used to. That's really good to hear. And, and, uh, I think you've got a lot of wisdom there. I'm, I try to do those things, um, but do not succeed regularly with it. But, um, I'm glad you said that because that's something I definitely need to work on. Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, it's still, it still bothers me, but I, I hide it and I, I'm not going to admit that it bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Last couple questions. I know we got to run. Um, for, I mean, you've been married for several years. Do you have any general advice for someone who might be struggling in their marriage and could use a couple pointers? Uh, uh, my mom told me all grown ups, don't, I mean, I'm sure a lot of moms say it, but don't sweat the small stuff. And it's all small stuff. It is all small stuff. I mean, it, it marriage is marriage will always be hard. It'll always be hard on your wife. It'll always be hard on you. You guys will always bug each other and you'll always get over it. And you'll always, you know, love, love each other because of it. Um, it just, you, they'll be your partner. And it's, I have such a much easier time when I'm being bothered by something to just take us and you know what? It's not important. I, it, it, it would, Hey, you know, you can, the stereotypical, you know, you leave the toilet seat up and she nags about it every day, every day. It's not that much. I mean, it's not a big deal. Even for me to put it down or for her to nag, it is not a big deal on either side. Um, and so I, yeah. I would, I, I bet it'll be eight years. I've been married to her here in about a, a little more than a month and it will have been together for, we're getting close to 16 years. Um, and it's, it's all little stuff and it's, don't don't sweat it if it bothers you you guys can work on it but don't don't overreact to, to the little things really good advice sam it has been awesome to talk to you i've enjoyed it um both as a fan you know just learning about your career and then also to hear some really good wisdom on being a dad and being a husband so thank you for coming on Mind us again about the um, challenge that you have going on. And then for anyone who's interested in following you and, and learning more about you, where can they find you? Yeah, so the Make Me Smile Challenge, uh, first thing y'all can do, if you go to my website, smilemma.com, uh, and there's a little bar at the top that asks for your email. If you put your email in there, we'll send you the information about the challenge and, and we'll help uh, uh, get you on the way to winning a $1,000 gift card to Amazon. And that's smilemma.com. Um, if anyone wants to talk to me, hit me up on my social media. It's at smiling Sam. Um, it is my Twitter, my Instagram. I'm on TikTok now and I love TikTok. It is my favorite app that's ever been. Um, so I'm, I'm having a blast on there and I, I love talking to people. If you, if you reach out to me, I'll, uh, um, I, I get back to just about everyone. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Really enjoyed it. Hey, thank you for having me on. Sorry. I appreciate it. It was a great interview. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe to make sure you catch new episodes as they come out. If you've already subscribed, please consider sharing an episode with a friend and or rating the podcast in Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. If you have a dad in mind who would make a killer guest, send me a note. If you have a question you'd like me to ask, please share it with me. If you have any other feedback, including but not limited to hate mail, send it on over. You can find me on LinkedIn under the name Sean Radvansky. I always enjoy hearing from listeners wherever or whoever you are. Thank you for joining me as I ask random questions to learn about various topics and hear how these dads live their lives. I enjoy doing these episodes and knowing that you are listening provides extra motivation. So thank you. I hope you make today a good day. See you next time.